0: Good morning. Welcome to worship. Glad you're here with us this day. A few announcements as we get started. If you would grab your bulletins and turn to the back. As always, there's a tear-off portion attached to that, and it's got a side that says welcome. If you're a guest, please fill that out and just put it in the offering plate as it goes by. And if you have anything you'd like to know about Mechanical Baptist, we'd be glad to follow up with you and share with you uh, on the other side, the yellow side, is a place at the bottom for prayer requests. I encourage you to write a prayer request, put it in the offering plate as well, and we pray for those each Tuesday. Uh, this On the back are opportunities for the week. We have several. Uh, today, I will make mention, uh, at 1.30 this afternoon, our mission team is meeting again. We, we have five training weekends for this. One of the things they're going to be doing, which hopefully you'll be... Um, asked to participate in, I want to make you aware of. It's called our Mustard Seed Fundraiser. And they will have a whole bunch of these cards, and on these cards on the back will be a penny, and it'll have their name on it. What they're doing is each team member is uh, developing prayer support as well as raising some money for their trip. I will explain it this way. Uh, I, I did a Sunday school lesson teaching the story of the mustard seed, so it's called our Mustard Seed Fundraiser, and I put three pennies out on the floor and I, I challenged the middle school, high school, and college students to take the pennies and go and ask somebody to give them a nickel for it, and then they'd bring them back in the room, and the penny would become a nickel, and then the nickel to a dime, and so on. And then in about a three-minute—it was just sort of a quick contest— in about three minutes— the three pennies had turned into three twenty dollar bills, and we used it towards our mission trip. And I thought the principle of the mustard seed is great things happening from something very, very small. So we're doing that this year with our mission team, and they're gonna take basically 10 cards with a penny on it, and they're going to go around and give you a card and ask if you'll exchange the penny for a nickel. And then if you'll exchange the nickel for a dime. And you'll get a card each time you see someone. And then when they get to $20, that will go towards their mission trip account. And each person who gets a card, put it on your refrigerator to pray for that person and for the mission team. So that's all that is. So if you see people with the cards and the pennies, it is our mustard seed fundraiser. It has all kinds of details on the back about it. And uh, we would encourage you to whether or not you get a card to pray for that team. Uh, and then tonight or this afternoon, our Dover Associational uh, Semiannual Meeting is in Ashland. We've got our encounter service, RAs, GAs, Mission Friends, choirs all tonight, ensemble, youth, and handbells. So good day together. Uh, Mondays are basketball. Thursdays are volleyball. remind you of those. And then Wednesday night, supper is Sloppy Joe's. It says to be determined, but I believe it is Sloppy Joe's. So keep in in mind of that. Awana's Connect, youth, Wednesday night, midweek Bible study, choir, and then fellowship breakfast. Thursday, 7.30, Cold Harbor. Everyone's welcome for that. A uh, couple others to, to make mention of. Uh, we are going to our campground family weekend at Holiday State Park, May 4th through 6th. There are flyers out in the foyers for this. If you would like to go, if you and your family would like to go, please pick up a flyer. Pray about coming and joining us for that weekend. We would love to have you. Uh, also, I want to make a plug because I think they do a wonderful job. Our media center people, Betty and the likes. Uh, Our library downstairs is a wonderful resource. I would encourage you to go and use our library. Go in there, check out a book, see what it has to offer, and make use of all the wonderful things they do uh, to bring those things uh, into our church For us to be a benefit of. So I would encourage you to do that. Stop by there, check out some books, enjoy our media center. And in in a similar vein, uh, we are collecting leftover, this is as best as I can recall, leftover Bible study books, gently used Bible study books, maybe books that uh, you went through in in the last five, ten years, Uh, We are collecting those in boxes in each foyer to give to different ministries who take and use these materials in prisons and different aspects. So if you have a a Bible study that you know you're not going to reuse or that you went through that's not in terrible condition, we'd ask you to bring it in in the next few weeks, put it in these boxes, and they will be getting into the hands of people who will be going through these studies or using these resources. So if you have leftover resources, it's a wonderful way to extend his kingdom by donating those. Is that about right, Tim? And as far, far as I can tell. All right. Anyway, thank you again for being here today. It's good to be together in the house of the Lord. And go on Linda.
1: Good morning. row. we won't practice that again. I'll just hold you accountable for a big singing. Before we begin our praise and worship together, I'd like to invite you, put on your calendars June the 3rd. It's the first Sunday in June, and the choir, the handbells, the ensemble, the kids um, will all be participating. I think I'm going to call it our spring f- grand finale. We will be presenting a musical concert here involving as many music ministries as we can get to sing on that Sunday evening at 7 o'clock. We would invite you to come and join us. That we might even get you to do some congregational singing. So June the 3rd, mark your calendars, and you'll be hearing lots more about it. Okay, got it? Sure? Okay. Got it. Who said that? Got it. Good. Okay. Psalm 86, 11, and 12. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Would you turn in your hymnals, in case you need it, to page 18? I think this will be familiar once we start singing it. Father, we love you, we worship and adore you. Jesus, we love you, we worship and adore you. And Spirit, we love you and worship and adore you. Before you stand up, though, look around. Just look left and right. Do you see any guests? Do you maybe see somebody who hadn't been here? Do you see a neat old friend that you need to say hello to? So as Dwight begins our song, put a big smile on your face, shake the person's hands next to you, give them a hug if you really want to but you don't have to and say good morning and we'll start singing page 18 if you need the words up oh, up and at them go say good morning Praise God, and all of God's people said, Amen. "Thank you." You may be seated.
0: Matthew chapter seventeen. <clears throat> We're going to start on verse uh, fourteen. When they came to the crowd, a man came before Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, "'Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill. He often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him.' And Jesus answered and said, "'You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me.' And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once.' Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Let us pray. Father God, we claim the truth of your word, that with faith all things are possible. And in this service we trust you We worship you, we glorify your name, because you are the source of our faith. You've given us faith that can do uh, the impossible. And so God, this day we pray that your spirit dwell, and that our faith be magnified and increased, and that we trust that you can really do all things. We thank you that you use even people like us, who are seemingly small and insignificant, to extend your kingdom, and to do miraculous things. We just pray that this hour would glorify you, that your, your spirit would uh, convict our hearts, and that as we worship you in song, as we worship you uh, through uh, word, that your truth resonates here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
2: As we continue our service of praise, let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn number three, Worthy of Worship. Let's stand together as we sing, Worthy of Worship, hymn number three. Thank you, and you may be seated.
0: If you would turn in your hymnals to page 856 for our responsive reading. It's number 16 on page 856, The Suffering of Christ. I will read the lighter portion, and together with Becky, you'll read the darkened portion, and then all together the last portion. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed, He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground.
2: He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him.
0: He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not.
2: Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted.
0: But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We We all, all, like sheep, have have gone gone astray. astray. Each Each of us has turned turned to his his own way. way. And And the Lord Lord has laid on him him the iniquity of us all.
2: Again, I invite you to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 223, Nothing But the Blood. Let's stand together as we sing. 223. but standing for our offertory prayer be joyful always pray continually and give thanks to god in all circumstances for this is god's will for you in christ jesus first thessalonians five sixteen. let us pray dear lord we ask that you receive these offerings as a symbol of our love for you we give thanks to you in all circumstances and we thank you for the true joy you bring to us through your son jesus christ in whose name we pray amen
3: presence we bow again with thanksgiving in our hearts for the joy of being called your children recognizing father that as we come to this place we do so seeking your presence asking that you receive our worship may we give all praise and all glory to you we pray father this morning that you would help us to go a little farther. To do those things that would bring others to you. To care and to witness. And to be a beacon of light in a world filled with darkness. We pray, Father, this morning for those of our church family who are traveling. For those who are ill. For those who are struggling with other difficulties. Father, you know who they are. And you have asked us to pray. And so we pray on their behalf. Bring hope to the hopeless health to the ill, joy to those who are in sorrow. We are grateful, Father, that we have this church, this place to come to, a place, Father, that helps us to recognize you. May we, Father, be faithful before you in your church. We are grateful for missionaries who serve around the world, for the sacrifice that they have made so that others might hear, for the many hours of study and learning a new language, for placing other things on hold in their lives so that they might go and tell. We give thanks for them. We are grateful, Father. For your word. For in your word we find meaning and purpose. We also find a challenge. May we accept the challenge of doing your will. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
4: Thanks for the things you have done for me, things so undeserved, yet you give to prove your love for me, the voices of a million angels cannot express you
3: scripture lesson this morning is found in Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, verses 36 through 46, the encounter of Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed saying, O oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus' life was filled with interesting and meaningful incidents. John's Gospel says, There are also many other things which Jesus did, that which if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. The last week of Jesus' life was spent in and around the city of Jerusalem. He made his headquarters in Bethany at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He made arrangements to eat the Passover in the upper room of a home. And after the meal was finished, he went with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane for prayer. The humanity of the Son of God is clearly expressed in his longing for human companionship and support in his supreme hour of trial, sorrow, and loneliness. His trusted friends failed him, including Peter, James, and John. The church would never have invented such a story of the failure of these chief apostles at the time of their Lord's greatest sorrow and trouble, so we know this to be true. The place was possibly a private garden. And there may have been and the three may have been asked to remain at the entrance to watch. Today, its precise location is unknown. Matthew describes Jesus' intense emotional state as sorrowful and troubled, and he also says, as Mark has said, in a stronger term, distress. Jesus cried out that he was in sorrow almost to the point of death or as great as the sorrow of death. The request of the disciples, of his disciples that they watch may refer to watching for the enemy, but the phrase with me suggests rather that they give him support in his agony. Had his intention been to escape the enemy, it would have been a time to flee, not to pray and to watch. He wanted their help. Not to scout the oncoming enemy, but to have the strength to meet the demands of the hour. This was a time of deep emotion for our Savior. He warned the disciples that they would be embarrassed that night because of him. And we know the story. Simon Peter insisted that he would never be offended because of Jesus. But Jesus cautioned him that he would deny his master three times before the rooster would crow. Some of the greatest spiritual truths in the Bible are found in the Gethsemane experience's of the Lord. Let's spend a few minutes with Jesus and the disciples in the garden and learn what challenges there may be for us in the garden. We know that Jesus had an inner circle. All great leaders have a few people who are close to them. In a sense, the twelve were Jesus' select group. But in even greater sense, it was Peter, James, and John who understood their master best. For you see, these three went with him into the house when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. These same three accompanied Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration where they viewed Moses and Elijah and Jesus in their glorified body. Jesus' added admonition to the disciples that they pray as well as watch was for their security. He asked that they watch with him, to bear with him his burden. He urged them to pray for themselves that they would have strength to meet their test. But the disciples, like so many of us, only were interested in praying when they were under fire. You see, they still at this point did not believe the words of Jesus that he had shared with them in the upper room and that he had shared with them all throughout his ministry that he would be betrayed into the hands of those who would put him to death. How could you sleep at a time like that if you believed it to be true? Jesus understood What was to come? The conflict between the willingness of the spirit and weakness of flesh is that between sincere devotion and human weakness as he speaks here. Flesh is not to be taken in a literal sense, but as representing the whole person in his weakness and distance from God. The flesh which failed included will and emotion. You see, Jesus understood that in their hearts they may have believed and wanted to believe, but the flesh was weak. Peter, James, and John were being trained for greater service. Two of them became outstanding evangelists after the ascension of Jesus. The command to watch and pray is preserved here, not only as it was applied first to the needs of the disciples in Gethsemane, but as the course of proper Christians in their continuing trials and temptations. For in such watching and praying and not in the world's reliance upon the sword are the armaments for Christian warfare. Jesus knew that his hour was upon him. He also knew that this was a valuable time to teach the disciples dependence on God. He knew the will of the Father. And he wants more than anything for his disciples and even his disciples today to seek after the will of the Father. It's so much easier to sit back and do nothing as the disciples were doing and let the world pass you by. It's so easy to not do what Christ has asked us to do. He asked us to watch as witnesses to him. You see, Jesus identified also here in the garden with the sins of the world. The Bible says that Jesus spoke of his soul as being exceeding sorrowful even unto death and asked these three to stay at a certain spot and watch him. He had already left eight of them at a spot near the entrance to the garden. It is difficult for us to realize the burden that was on the heart of Christ. He knew the significance of the night. He knew that he would be arrested shortly and that the next day he would be crucified. Nevertheless, he was more concerned about his followers than he was about himself. He had already said earlier to them in John chapter 14 verse 9, Let not your hearts be troubled. There is a great lesson for us here. When we think constantly of our own distresses, they become greater than we can bear. The best way to forget our own problems is to help others in the sharing of their burdens. Our burdens disappear when we help others. Paul tells us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The burden of Jesus' prayer concerned his cup, and he had taken his, should we say, favored disciples a little further into the garden with him and said to them, Watch here and pray. But like so many through the ages, the disciples let Jesus down. They did not do what Jesus had asked them to do. As he was praying, they fell asleep. The cup that Jesus is speaking of here is not explained entirely. It seems to refer to his death and all that surrounds it. The failure of his disciples. The new release of selfish, cowardly, and angry passions. And the very people whom he had come to save. All this and far more than any. But he could not know. We simply cannot fathom his sorrow nor know the extent of his trial nor understand all that the cup meant. You have been in that place before, haven't you? And you have seen others in that place where they are troubled to the point that they just want someone near. Have you ever sat in a hospital room with a loved one to have them rise up and say, Are you still here? Have you ever felt so distressed And so out of sorts that you wanted someone close not to say anything, but just to be there. I have heard numerous people say, I feel your prayers. Jesus was not feeling the prayers of his disciples because they still did not understand the gravity of what was about to take place. Jesus was lonely. The secret... Of it all, though, in this passage, we find in verse 39 go a little farther. It says of Jesus, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed. The submission of his will to that of his Father is Jesus' greatest victory in Gethsemane. Everything about his cup or his hour gave him reason to shrink back. Death was no beautiful liberator, soul from body, as Socrates tried to teach. It was an ugly enemy to be conquered. And Paul understood that, didn't he? When he said, Death, where is your sting, O grave, where is your victory? It was an ugly enemy. At stake was Jesus' submission to the Father. And this in turn was the basic question of whether he would save himself or save others. We know that those who saw him hanging on the cross, one cried out, He has saved others, let him, he has saved others. Now let him save himself. And he would not. Had he acted to save himself he would have followed the self-centered principle at the heart of the world's way. But he did not let this principle prevail. He had no doubt that all things were possible to his father to remove or retain the cup. But his will was to do the father's will. Out of his suffering came the triumph and glory of the resurrection. But under the supreme test. He committed himself to the way of self-denial and self-sacrifice and rejected the way of self-preservation. As we read earlier in the words that I like to use, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And all he asked in his greatest hour of need is the same thing he asked of us today. Walk with me. Watch with me. Pray. Of course, these words in Matthew's gospel refer to a geographical distance. Jesus left a group of eight in one place, a group of three in another place, and went deeper into the garden. We are doing no violence to the scripture when we lift this phrase out and give it an even deeper meaning. Every part of Jesus' ministry was going a little farther. Jesus went farther in his interpretation of the law. You remember what Jesus would say. You have heard it said of old such and such and this and that. But I say to you. Many scholars have pointed out that very little in Jesus' teachings were entirely new. Almost all of his sayings have some parallels or near parallels in the Old Testament. It was not the newness of the material, but the freshness of interpretation that made Jesus stand out as a teacher with authority. He did not merely recite the interpretations of the rabbis. He gave his own meaningful expositions of the law. Remember when he stood up and read in the temple and then said, Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." We are not to obey in the letter of the law according to Jesus, but in the sweetness and reasonableness of spirit. And he goes a little further, doesn't he? He says murder is more than an act. It is an attitude. The same is true of adultery and of all the other commandments concerning human relationships. Out of the heart the mouth speaks and from the heart come the issues of life. Jesus went a little farther in his refusal to retaliate. Throughout all his ministry, Jesus recognized that God's kingdom could be extended in the hearts of people only by unselfish love. He refused to take issue with the Roman government who ruled the Jews at the time. He would not fulfill the popular Jewish notion of a politically oriented Messiah by leading a revolt against the Roman establishment. He insisted that we are to love our enemies, bless those that curse us, and pray for the ones who despitefully use us. In the garden of Gethsemane, he demonstrated this spirit. Judas, who had already left the twelve, came with a great multitude to take Jesus away for trial and later for crucifixion. Peter drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, but Jesus rebuked him with the warning, they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. And going even farther, what did he do? He healed The servant. Jesus went a little farther in his concern for a lost world. This was the fundamental point of Jesus' ministry. He came to be our Savior by going to the cross. From the beginning of his ministry, he saw the act on Calvary by which he would redeem humankind. Every part of his earthly activity pointed to this solemn and serious hour. Jesus has left us an example of concern. For the loss that should inspire full commitment to this cause. The dedication of our Lord calls for our own dedication and discipline. To live in such a way that we may lead others to the Savior. The winning of lost people is not an elective in the Christian's curriculum. It is a required course. The Lord's one purpose in his ministry was to find people and win them to himself. No sacrifice was too great for him and nothing should stand in our way of making witnessing the first priority in our lives. We should take advantage of every contact and indeed should seek to make contacts that will give us opportunity to give testimony to the laws. Only as Christians are willing to follow the Master's example of going a little farther in this area will our rapidly deteriorating world find redemption and salvation from the ills that threaten our extinction. Adoniram Judson sweated out Burma's heat for 18 years without a furlough, six years without a convert. Enduring torture and imprisonment, he admitted that he never saw a ship sail without wanting to jump on board and go home. When his wife's health broke and he put her on a homebound vessel in the knowledge he would not see her for two full years, he confided to his diary. If we could find some quiet resting place on earth where we could spend the rest of our days in peace, But he steadied himself with this remarkable postscript Life is short. Millions of Burmese are perishing. I am almost the only person on earth who has attained their language to communicate salvation. He went a little farther. How far do you go? Those who go farther in every category of life make the great contributions to humanity. Those laboring in the scientific laboratory go far beyond the point of duty. The business executive who arrives at his office early to chart the work for the day long before the paid staff comes in is the one who builds a great organization. The teacher who spends extra time with a child who needs help in order to bring him up to a normal level, or with an exceptionally talented child in order to make him a leader, is the one who is truly great in his or her field. The joys of life are present for those who give themselves beyond measure. The one who lives merely by the what do I have to do rule never finds real fulfillment. When Phillips Brooks, the great New England clergyman, was being buried, someone said to his brother, if Dr. Brooks had just held himself back and not pushed himself so hard, (coughs) he might have lived longer. His brother replied, yes, but if he had done that, he wouldn't have been Phillips Brooks. This does not mean that we ought to burn out prematurely. But it does mean those who make great contributions in life are those who are willing to go far beyond the normal call of what ought to be done and see rather what should be done. And only when we do that will godly causes in this world come to fruition. I went with them to the race on Friday where we take care of of one of the areas there. And one of the things we are trained to do is to watch what's going on. And you have people assigned at the doors, opening and closing doors for people to go in and out of the area that we're in. But uh, will you watch and make sure that people are behaving themselves? And uh, you also watch to see if there is a need. I was standing at the door relieving someone who had gone To do something else. And I saw a man with his 16 or 17 year old special needs son. Trying to get food. And you know how difficult it is if you've ever had to try to do it. To push a wheelchair with one hand. It has the tendency to want to go in a circle with you. So I watched him. And then I said to myself... I can help him if he'll let me. So I walked over to him and I said, Can I carry your plate to your table? I know it's difficult to do what you're trying to do one-handed. He thanked me sincerely. And I walked him to the table with his son and put the food down. And I walked away. But you see, there are needs all over the world. And we don't see them many times because we're not looking. And we're not concerned in the way Jesus would have us to be concerned. For why would he ask his disciples to watch and pray if it weren't necessary? Jesus went a little farther. We have a responsibility to go farther too. Are you willing to go? Shall we pray? Oh Lord, we are grateful for this story. We are grateful, Father, that you cared enough for us. To take on such agony, such sorrow, to overcome our sins. Convict us, Father, to go a little farther, to do as Jesus did, to reach out in grace so that others can see. And have opportunity to respond to your saving grace. Speak to each of our hearts in this time of invitation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Our invitation hymn is number 606. The way to the cross leads home. Jesus was on his way to the cross in the garden of Gethsemane on that evening. He knew the great price that was to be paid. But he went following the Lord's will willingly. The question for us is, are we willing to do the same and walk with him? Will you stand as we sing hymn number 606?
4: Needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. If shall where quit sight of the gates of light? If the way of the cross I miss, the way of the cross leads home. sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. I must needs go on in the blood-sprinkled way, the path that the Savior trod. If I ever climb unto the heights of time where the soul cross leads home, the way of the cross leads home. It is sweet to know as I onward go, the way of the cross leads home. Then I bid fair
3: Thank you for being a part of this service today. It's a joy to be together. I say that every week, but it is a joy to be together in the house of the Lord. I always am inspired and uh, moved by our times together and always learn so much in preparation each week for the sermon. So um, if you don't learn anything I have, I'll tell you, uh, you take the scripture that I read and uh, you uh, do an exposition on it and see where you come out from time to time. But thank you for being here And a part of this service today. Uh, Let's bow for a benediction. Gracious and eternal God, as we leave today, help us to watch and to pray. And to make sure, Father, that as we do, we do so with the purpose of bringing people to a saving knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, be imparters of God's grace as we witness to that grace in our own lives. Bless us, Father, as we leave today, keeping us ever mindful that we are loved by you and that we are to love one another. In the name of Jesus, amen.